Uh, I want to invite a friend of mine to uh, preach to you this morning. Uh, I met Andy Estrella, oh man, 2004, so a few years back, and this is when I lived in Missouri, I was in seminary, and uh, Andy's one of those guys I met and just instantly became friends with, and we've actually kept up over all these years. So he's one of my good friends, and uh, he's married, three kids, uh, oldest is eight, right? Youngest is 20 months, so he hasn't slept in about eight years, and uh, like some of us have. And um, he is a uh, director of a campus ministry called Chi Alpha. Many of you have heard about Chi Alpha, an incredible ministry that reaches the campus students. And he is at a campus in Missouri called Missouri State University with 26,000 students. Think about that. It's a city, you know. I don't know how many University of Oregon has, but it's like a city, you know, how these campuses are. And you know, students are away from family, uh, international students, and so they're hungry for the gospel, for community, for connection. And over the years, I've thought about one of the reasons why I love Andy so much is that he just really loves Jesus, and he shines for Jesus wherever he goes. And so I'm so thankful to have you, Andy, come and share. So come on up, share with us today, and uh, thank you so much for being here. Wow, wow. Uh... Thank you, thank you so much. Uh, so I, one of my joys when I do come to, to Oregon, which surprisingly has been quite a bit, um, is, is to hang out with, with you now. It's like you're, you're a great friend. And uh, there's, uh, you know, there's so many people I come across and there's some people that you, you meet and you're like, this is a person who lives out what, they believe in. Uh, Nels has an incredible gifting as like four sentences into our conversation. We are as deep as it can be. I'm sharing like some things that I'm working through in my life, some things that, uh, uh, you know, I'm struggling with, some some things that uh, I yeah, have not perfected. And man, you, your pastor here is somebody who truly truly loves the Lord, but truly loves people. And um, man, I, I love, like last night, we're up to way late in the night, you know, where we sacrificed a lot of sleep. And uh, and man, like we're sharing true true life. So to have a leader that can go there, and uh, me and Essa actually went to, to college together, and she, he hasn't aged. I don't know. Like you literally walked in, and I was like, "Okay, we're in college again." And uh, uh, just you, your leadership here, uh, amazing, amazing leadership. Amen. And uh, I've I've grown a lot through our conversation. So thank you, thank you for having me. And uh, like Nell says, I, I do. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a missionary with a campus ministry called Chi Alpha, and we we want to create spiritual communities on campuses and uh i love doing that and i love i love it because i i'm high relational i love meeting people i love i always say my you know um i don't know if you're into spiritual giftings and stuff but uh like you know i grew up you know went to bible college and stuff and people was like oh this is my spiritual gift and they talked about it and usually it was something like whatever you know music or uh, the sermon or, you know, but I feel like my spiritual gift is hanging out. I really think that is, it's legit. You know what I mean? Uh, you at home, if you're like, is that a legit gift? It is. And I have, I have literally evidence that Jesus 
had that spiritual gift of hanging out. Um, you know, what is hanging out? That you, you can just be with people. And I really feel that Jesus had that gift. And I have perfect evidence of this. I'm not making this up. Um, you know, Jesus, when he walked on earth, didn't have a home. Now, he could have got a home, right? He's, you know, the creator of the universe. Uh, but he also could have built a home. Like he had, he was, he was a, a carpenter by trade, but he didn't have a home. Now, if we think about that, right? You ever had a party, have people come over and the party's over, right? It's winding down. What do people say? They come up to you and they're like, oh man, great party. I'm going to go home. Man, the chip and dip was awesome. I don't know where you got this recipe, but I need to get that. This is great. You know, and they go home. Well, Jesus, if he went to your party, he was like, at the end of the party, he's like, oh, great party. And I'm crashing on your couch. And I got 12 homies coming with me. Like, I literally believe that it was strategic. That he didn't have a home. So he can be with people as much as possible while he was on this earth. Um, so I love being around people. And because of that, I love looking at scripture through the lens of a relationship. It's something that for, for me awakens scripture. It like, it be, it comes alive to me. It's like, there's some things in scriptures, like I don't get it. But when I look through it, through a lens of a relationship, it makes sense. And I feel like if we, if we look at what Jesus did, Jesus made a relational move, Right. I love how Paul said he was in heaven, did not take on that. He came down to earth. He left the luxuries of heaven, came down to earth to live with mankind, to show who God was through him, right? It was a relational move. Like, if you think about it, before that non-relational move, it was law. It's non-relational. Nobody, you know, nobody comes up to you and goes, oh, man, I, man, I want to build a friendship with you. Here's the rules. Like, it, it doesn't work like that, right? So Jesus made a relational move, right? It was all, in the beginning, garden, relationship with God. Broken, another relational move, Jesus. So for me, it, that makes sense. And for our lives, stuff like that makes sense. Like, you know, like Nell says, I'm married. I have three kids, three girls. So God's called me to college ministry. You know, I, I hang out with students. We minister on campus. But also in my personal life, God's also called me to be a dean of women. Like I run a women's dorm. I don't know if you're, you might look at me and be like, how's a guy running a women's dorm? It's called my life. Okay. It's all, it's all girls in my house. None, we're, you know, we're, we're done, you know, as far as we know. Right. And uh, like, it's all girls. And uh, so I run a women's dorm and I'm good. Lots of hugs in the women's dorm. We literally, I love it. Um, and uh, so, like, for, in a sense, we yearn for a relationship. In fact, the very evidence that you are alive today is evidence that you had some type of relationship. For you to survive as a human, there has to be somebody who's taken the responsibility of nurturing you. So intertwine into our very survival and God's great plan. He put a relationship as a means for us to survive. Like there's something powerful that we needed to understand about that. So like relationships for us, it moves us. Like, I don't know if you, you know, I don't know, you know, I, I know things are closed down. So, but you know, a couple of years ago, we used to go to movies. 
right? <laughs> we used to go to theaters. And, uh, but if you think about it, how many times have you watched a movie that you didn't want to watch, but, you know, the kids or, like, your, your friends really wanted to watch it or your grandkids wanted to watch it and you watched this movie, whatever that movie is, and you knew, I'm like, oh, I don't really even like this type of movie, but everybody wants to go. And at the end of the movie, you walk out and you're like, thanks. You know, that's time I will never get back. It's gone. But I watched this movie. But relationships really cause us to do some things like, you know, you, you've, been, you've been to sports games that you have no clue what's going on, but you're there because your grandkid or your, your niece, your nepo, nephew, or your son or daughter, like you don't know what's going on. You don't know the difference between a home run and a touchdown, right? But you're there, and you, you'll bring signs to this thing. Like cheerleaders exist because of you. I don't, listen, I know sports. I don't need a cheerleader. I don't need somebody with pom-poms to tell me what to do. I know the system, all right? My team scores, I cheer. They don't, I complain. I know it. I know how this works, right? But, you know, there's some people there, they have to check with the person next to them, like, is that, was that good? Yes! Continue to run in that direction. Yay! Like, they don't know what's going on, but your grandchild's there. You, you, know, you know them, right? You've been to recitals of... And you've heard songs that you don't even know what they mean. You don't even know what's going on. You've heard instruments that you don't even know this instrument existed. You know, like instruments like the piccolo. Like, what? What's a piccolo? I don't know if you're familiar. I wasn't familiar. I'm not a big musician. But there is an instrument out there. It's called a piccolo. It exists. And most people are like, what is a piccolo, Andy? I'll tell you what it is. It's a flute that a hobbit plays. It's like literally, just imagine a flute make it squeakier and pitchier and there it is it's that little and it's funny like you'll hear this instrument and it's not like somebody can jump in a band with a piccolo it's like nobody's like going it's like hey bro what's up man i heard you got a bass player how about a piccolo player like nobody's jumping in a band but you you go and you listen to these recitals because you have somebody you know you've heard plays and musicals of stuff you don't even have no need to even care about, but you know somebody there. You wait for a two-hour play for somebody you know to pop out and say, would you like a cup of tea? And at the end, you're like, man, when you said that, I instantly wanted tea. You did so good. It's funny how relationships move us. How we take on the things that our relationships value with our kids, within our lives. This, it, it, it's something that influences our life. In fact, for some of you guys, you even felt hurt because maybe you've taken on a business or a career direction and you have not received the support of people you love. And you've been hurt by that. You face the hurt of not having the support or not having people you love do something that you love. Like, hey, let's go do this together. Oh, I want, and you've almost have faced a little hurt or maybe like, oh man, this would be so much better if this person that I care would do it with me. These things are powerful. And I feel like this wasn't accidentally created in us. I feel like it's God's design for us. I feel like when we look at scripture, 
through the lens of a relationship, right? And when we start having a relationship with our creator, it's, we start to understand his heart, his mission, and his vision. Like, there was a great question asked to Jesus in Matthew 22, verse 35 to 40. Matthew 22, if you're at home, 22, 35 to 40. A great question was asked to Jesus. Um, in this, it was, it, it was one, of the, one of the Pharisees, one of the teachers of the law in verse 18. is like, one of them, an expert in law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Uh, Jesus replied, love the Lord of God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second one is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and the prophet hang on these two commandments. So this was a very great question that was asked to Jesus. If you think about it, there was six, over 600 laws. I'm, I'm like simplifying things. You know what I mean? I'm like, all right, listen, that's a lot. Give me one. Dude, which one should I follow? Great question. Even though wrong intention, great question. So Jesus responded and gave him two, which is, I'm curious about. The guy asked for one. Jesus gave him two. Why is that? Was Jesus into infomercials before they even were created? Where he's like, hey, you asked for one commandment, but for a limited time, I will give you two. Why was two given? I feel is you can't separate them. If you love the Lord of God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, you love your neighbor. And Jesus clarified what he means by neighbor through the story of the Good Samaritan, which means everyone is your neighbor. If you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, you love people. You cannot separate these things. It's like saying, I love swimming. I do. I love, I love swimming. I can't stand getting wet. Then you know what? You don't love swimming. You, you can't, you can't separate these things. And listen, within our church, within the Christian community, sometimes we say we love God, but we treat his children like trash. It's like somebody coming up to you and someone come to me and say, hey, Andy, man, I think, I think you're a great guy, man. I, man, I love being around you. Like, I feel like we connect and dude, just things are funner with you. I'm like, oh, thank you. Wow, wow, yeah. And he's like, but I can't stand your family. So, hey, when I invite you, I'm just inviting you, not your family. So I would prefer that your family will stay as far as possible from me. So when I invite you, please don't bring your disgusting kids around me. Then, you know, I would tell them, like, hey, I love you, but I guess you don't love me, really. If you can't love my family. So a lot of times we want to have that relationship with God. We want to love God, but treat his children like trash. And it just, you can't separate them. You can't say that you love God and you don't love people. They, he gave two because they are inseparable. In this concept of loving somebody and caring for the things they care about exists in our life through our relational DNA. Like if you think about it, for me, like my wife... You know, I've been married now 13 years. She loves fall festivals. Loves fall festivals. Me, don't care too much. Never been to a fall festival. Don't, 
you know, I don't, I don't think most guys wake up and be like, yo, what's up? Fall Festival? Let's go! My dude! You know what I mean? One, you have to pay an entry fee to go to Fall. I don't even understand this. I have to pay money, then to pay more money at the shops. And then there's always somebody carving something. There's always a homie carving something. I want to let you know about this guy carving something. Extremely talented, but he never finishes what he is carving. I've, bro, I've, I come the day after. I'm like, bro, you still working on that? Bro, what are you, eight hours on this thing? Come on, my dude. So, like, but my wife, I go to fall festivals. And you know what? I enjoy them. Why? Because my wife does. These concepts, if you think about it, if, if I had a night out with the guys, right? You know, as parents, you know, getting a night out is just huge. You know, you're like, okay, I got. And all my guy friends, we got together. We're like, dude, what are we going to do to hang out? I don't think one of them will pop out and go, hey, I haven't hit the monkey bars in a while. Let's hit the playground. We probably would do something else. But if you think about it, the reason you're at a playground is because you have a grandkid, a child there. That is the only reason that will truly connect you there. In fact, when I hang out with my kids, I'm like, guess where we're going today? With all the joy in my heart, I said, we're going to playground. They're like, yay. And we go to playgrounds. And that is the only, the only reason that you enjoy being there is because you all have kids. In fact, if you're at a playground, by yourself with no kids, just looming around the playground. Stay away from my kids. Like, I'm just, you know, I love you, but you know, just stay away from my kids. Because the only connecting factor you would be there is because you have a relationship. And in fact, that joy that they find, you find within yourself. And that concept still exists with the greatest relationship that we can have here is with our savior. You see, this concept, I, I feel like, had to be disclosed and understood in Peter's life. Now, as we know, you know, Peter's one of the disciples. And if you, if you think about it, Peter had, Peter had an interesting, interesting journey. Like, you know, there's a lot of documentation of Peter. And I really feel there was equal amount of incidents with everybody else, but when you're the loudest, and your recurring incidents a few years later, you're like, well, I know Peter did that. He was pretty loud. You know, I'm pretty sure he denied Jesus three times. Why? Because he said in front of everyone that he won't do it. <laughs> like, everybody else just probably said it. It's like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. But Peter's like, uh, excuse me? Like, <laughs> so, you know, G like, Peter had this, you know, he denied Jesus three times, very publicly. It's kind of his style. It's all nothing, Right? And then Jesus dies on the cross, Every, everybody scatters, they go back to doing what they know is fishing, and they're not doing good at it. Like, they're like, dude, we're hungry, let's go fishing. And they're not very successful. So you're gonna think professional, like it's all they know what to do, <laughs> and they're not doing good at it that day. It's probably like the lowest of the low. And they're probably on the boat just like, whatever, man. I, like, I'm not even, I'm ashamed to go on land right now. And somebody yells, like, cast your nets on the other side from the shore. And I don't know, they're like, whatever. You know, they, they do it. And this net comes in full of fish. They haven't been successful all day long. But now they cast the net out and it comes in full of fish. And them being professional fishermen at this incident realize that this is a miracle. In fact, Jesus, Peter connects it to another incident. And he goes... The person on the shore is Jesus. 
And Peter has this kind of Forrest Gump moment. I don't know if you've seen Forrest Gump. I love it. One top movies. Forrest Gump sees Lieutenant Dane coming on the boat. He jumps right off the boat. He goes, Lieutenant Dane, and just goes, lets the boat go. Peter had the same moment. He's like, Jesus. And he starts swimming towards Jesus, right? And they had this great conversation, this great moment. They eat fish, and they have this great moment. And it's in John 17. If you're at home, John 21, 15 through 17. It's this great conversation. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. A third time. Now, you, you got to think, like, a lot of people say, like, the Bible tells you what to believe. But if you think about it, Jesus asked a lot of questions. I really feel that scriptures awaken in you the truth, right? And Jesus asked questions to awaken the truth in people's lives. So when Jesus is asking a question three times, I think we need to listen into that question. Because it's not about him knowing the answer, but it's about the truth being awoken in us. Right? So a third time, a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. He was like, because Jesus asked him a third time. He's like, a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. I've seen you. You know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus replies, feed my sheep. Three times. You see, you see, I, I think culturally, I think we read this and we hear this, but culturally we do something else. Because Jesus didn't say, Peter, do you love me? He's like, all right, take care of yourself. I think a lot of times we, we say, hey, we, we love God, yeah. Like, I go to church, I'm, I'm a regular attender, I'm a part of the community, I love God. But his, he didn't say, do you love me, take care of yourself. He said, take care of my sheep. Do you love me? So here's the concept that we have to understand. If we love God, if we say we love God, if we say it's our greatest relationship, then we love his mission. We love his purpose. We can't separate it. It would be like somebody going to you and said, I love you, but keep your kids away from me. It just does not work that you are limiting that relationship. If we love God, we love his mission. It thrives. It cannot be separated. In fact, you cannot show God's love like the true purest form of love is to somebody else. If you think about it, when, when we stand before God and if we have to show account of what we've done, of some, a God that already knows, I don't know how that's all going to work out, but we'll never stand before God and say, God, I love you so much. I love you. I love you so much. I love you so much that I bought myself a new car. 
I really, it was a great car. Look, every time a new model came out, I bought a new one because I really love you. No, it says in scripture, if you've done it to the least of these, you have done it unto me. You see, if we love God, we love his mission. And what is his mission? He made it very clear. It's people. It's God's kingdom. I'm looking at God's kingdom. I can't see people online, but you are a part of God's kingdom. As people accept Jesus, his kingdom wasn't physical. It was a spiritual. It was a relational kingdom in a sense. As we acknowledge who Jesus is, we build God's kingdom. What is God's mission? It's our neighbor. It's our co-worker. Yes, even that grumpy neighbor. That grumpy neighbor is part of God's mission. Our, we should love that grumpy neighbor. If you're like, hey, Andy, I don't really have a grumpy neighbor. Well, you might be the grumpy neighbor. That might be you. Grump on. Like, if, if you think about it, like God's love is even for that coworker who's annoying, maybe doesn't come and perform, doesn't even care, is a little selfish. Yeah, that love of that person. How does that mission look, look right? You, you bring that extra lunch for them you go out and serve them why because that's God's mission and if we love him we love his mission if you if you say you love me you love my family you are for my family if you are for me and you're not for my family it's going to limit our relationship You see, so when we look at scripture through the lens of relationship, if we love God, we love his mission. And here's the beauty of God's mission. We, we make it location-based. Does God call us to locations? 100%. That happens. But here's the deal. His mission is more relational than anything. Everywhere you go, God's mission is there. And a lot of times we, we like to make it programmable because it, it, get, it makes it out of reach of this. But here's the deal. Who in your life that you need to express God's love for? Not preach, but literally serve like Jesus will serve. Like they are your own kids. Like, like truly, like you truly love and care about. Rather they are believers or not. But, like, how can you serve your neighbor? Be like, hey, I noticed, like, you need help with this. I'm, I, I can help you with that. Or, hey, um, here's some apple pie. Or whatever. I don't know what they do in Portland. Here's some brunch. I know you guys are into brunch here. Hey, I, I, made, I don't know if brunch is portable, but here. You live for that mission. Why? Not because of ourselves, but because we have a deep relationship with our creator. You can't separate the two. You cannot. And when we look at scripture through the lens of that relationship, and it's so cool because that's why I love people getting baptized. Because if, if you see like God's mission, like it's so cool because God is 100% physical. Like he can do something 100%. He, he was 100% physical in Jesus, 100% spiritual in the Trinity through the Holy Spirit, 100% practical. And what that all means is somebody being baptized. 
being baptized is something that's 100% spiritual and practical at the same time. It exists. Like literally, there's nothing special about the water, right? If you, if you got baptized, if you're home and you got baptized in a pool, somebody probably peed in that pool. Nothing special about that water, right? If you got baptized in a river, it doesn't matter who really does it, but what it represents truly matters. It's an outward expression, expression of an inward change. And it's such a communal thing. Listen, it's a group of people who witness you being baptized. You can literally physically see God's mission in front of you happening. And it's like you can't do it by yourself. Be like, hey, I was taking a shower the other day. Decided to kill two birds with one stone. I'm baptized too. I just want to let you know. Put dove <laughs> shampooed my hair. Once it was rinsing out, two birds, one stone, done. It can't, it has to be, it's a communal thing. We can literally physically see God's mission before our eyes. I want as many people to know our creator and to know his love. And we need to dedicate our life to that. It's something that we live and it pours out to us. So that means whoever it is, listen, we don't, we don't need a ministry people. We need a life people. We don't need to embed a project in people's life. We need to awaken them to the truth of life and peace and his love. How does that look like? We serve our neighbor. We love our coworker. We show them every day who Jesus is through the life that we live. And we are 100% committed to that mission. I die, I sacrifice, I live for the true purpose of God. Because when we love God, we love his mission. So the question I have for you is, is that mission being lived out? In your life, or have you separated that? In your life, is is this love for God something that is self-serving, or is it committed to His purpose and vision that He has for His life? Is it something that is intertwined in your life, or are you waiting for a program to activate it? It is something that you, you see in your neighbors, like I need to care for this person. Is it something that you see in your coworkers? I need to care for this person like Jesus did. Like he's a family member to me. Because if we love God, we love his mission. Or do you want to benefit from the love and the peace of God, but never love the things that he does? Because if... We love God. We love his mission. Lord, I pray today, God, Lord, that we would find ways in our life to live. Lord, to reach people with your love every day of our life. We cannot separate it, God. Lord, I pray for our coworkers, our family members, our neighbors, God, I pray that we live a life that interacts with your purpose every day, God.
Lord, I pray that we will express our love to you through your children and people. Help us to love people, Lord, with a love that you would have for them, God. Lord, help us be in bondage to your mission and purpose, God. Lord, let us not separate our love for you and your mission in our life. Lord, help us live this out every day because when we love you, God, we love your mission. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Pastor.